Hello fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Thank you for joining us for episode four. Everett, how are you? I'm really good, man. Yeah, we just got a good picture for Instagram. Yeah, we just put a, I think, one of my favorites up there. Could be. We'll see how the rest of the world feels about it. You got to tell us what you think, folks. Yeah, feel free to like it. Can't thumbs down on Instagram, so feel free to like it if you don't like it, and don't like it if you, it, I don't know. Look at the picture. Look at our Instagram. We've got some cool pictures up there, and we'll keep you updated about what episodes are coming out and when they come out. You, you know, we work really hard on the Instagram. It's funny. It, it's not a, it's, it wasn't something that I think either one of us really thought about before we no. uh, started this thing. You know, we both have Instagram pages, but I, I know I was pretty infrequent on mine. And, Very infrequent on mine. And, and, you know, when we started this podcast, it's been, I, I suspect it's our main way of communicating with people, telling people that we're doing this thing. Thus far, I think. I think it's a good medium to get out there. I mean, it's a good way to grab people's attention and give people content throughout the week to remind them that we are, in fact, putting out another medium of content every week. Huh. That's a good way for people to stay connected. So feel free, comment on the photos, comment on the ep- on the posts about our episode, tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, what you want to hear. DM us if you like. We're Slide into the DMs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're... We're here for for watch content. I mean, that was sort of one of our goals in creating this was to create a podcast and an outlet for other folks like us who are looking in that affordable watch market to talk about watches and demystify watches a little bit and make them a little bit more accessible and less intimidating and drink beer and hang out along the way. Those are the things we do. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing, man? Good. Busy, tired, but that's... I'm feeling better. I don't know if I sound better, but I feel better. You so, sound so good. I know. And it's almost Thanksgiving, which is the best holiday of the year. And when is the... You're not doing the the Cats game day for Thanksgiving. You're doing it for Super Bowl. I got yeah. confused for a second. I, was I mean, they're excited. one and the same. I mean, they're two of the greatest <laughs> holidays of the year. <laughs> I was thinking, gosh, we get cats real soon. But no. That's... Well, I mean, it's still pretty soon. It's February. It's a long way away. It's not that far. Yeah. It's not All right. That far. So we're we're talking about uh, Orient watches today. Yeah. And I, you've got uh, something over there on the table. What a nice little a little pile of them. If you well, not really pile. They're neatly organized. So this week, as as you listened last week, you heard that I did pick up the Orient Bambino, and uh, so I got it this week. And basically every day coming home from work, I was just excited as excited could be it was better than christmas for me and i got home i saw the package i didn't even change my clothes i didn't even go to the bathroom after my hour-long drive back to my house i didn't go to the bathroom i tore it open (laughs) i put this watch on and it delivered it just it absolutely delivered it is beautiful it came on a strap that is if if you're gonna buy an affordable dress watch and you have no intention of changing the strap on it, it's a perfect strap for it. It's, it's, I'd wear that. I was surprised at how how little I hated that strap. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a little bit uh, a little bit stiff, but I think that'll that'll fix from wear. Um, and I got an, an inexpensive NATO strap for it because uh, one of the things that I want to do is buy a bunch of inexpensive NATOs and try them and wear them so that I can tell anyone who's listening to say, hey. 
This is the best $12 NATO that I've found. It's comfortable out of the box. It looks good. So I'm on inexpensive NATO number many. Um, <laughs> and I still haven't found one that I'm going to be like, you know what? This is the one. If you're going to have, if you can only spend $12, $15 on a strap, this is the one. But I've got another one that I've tested. It's also not terrible. It's comfortable. It's a little bit rough on the inside. It's a little bit sharp on the edges. But I think from, I mean, I got it in the mail today. So that's, you know, that's a little bit of an unfair critique on the on the strap. Well, and but, to be clear, it's a it's a leather NATO. It's not a it's yeah. not nylon, so it it will theoretically get softer very quickly. Yeah. So it's a little bit unfair to say it's tough, but I mean the hardware's the hardware's actually a little impressive for having been twelve dollars. I mean, it's sturdy. It doesn't feel there's no flex in it when I put any pressure on it. Uh, it went on great, and uh, it looks good. It's a just a natural leather strap for it, which I think just looks so great on this white, white dial and really, really bright stainless uh, accents on it. And I, I am in love with this watch. I'll be interested to see how that leather breaks in. It doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't occur to me that that's the highest quality leather, but it looks good out of the box. So it'll be interesting to see if it, if it gets nicer as it, as it ages. I imagine it breaks in quick. And probably deteriorates pretty yeah. quick too. Like <laughs> I, I, I think this m- this could be a six month wear, yeah. um, but that's, that's twelve okay. bucks. Pay twelve bucks for it. Yeah, and I absolutely love this watch. And it's got a quiet movement on it. That's one of the things I don't like about the SNK. Is when you move, you hear it. You really hear it. Yeah. Hear it cranking. And this, you can feel it a little bit, almost like a kinetic, but it's. It's quiet. It's quiet. I like that. That crystal is really uh, oh, is really impressive. I I hope that you know. I hope that your long term wear with that crystal is is satisfying. I I've got my own personal concerns about mineral crystals. I've owned a number of them at this point, and um, oftentimes lament that they they scratch easier than I want. So I'm gonna be careful with it. Yeah, I think you have to be because I, I suspect that if you hit, catch that on stuff, it's going to scratch. And it's going to scratch. Over time, oh, yeah. it's going to scratch. Any so. watch is going to scratch. It has That's little, right. I just don't want the unnecessary careless scratches. Right. I want the life, you know, the patina, the character. I don't want the, oh, yeah, when I was walking through the door, I crashed it onto the strike plate and took a nice big gouge out of the, uh, out of the, <laughs> the mineral crystal. Yeah, no, I, it's one of those things that just happens so quickly. You know, my SKX, I think within a month of having it, I bashed it against something good. I don't, mm. I don't remember it happening. And to this day, it's got a fairly deep, noticeable scratch right over the, right over the dial. I mean, right borderline smack dab middle of the, of the dial. And it's brutal. Mm. I don't like that. I don't like it either. <laughs> Everything should have Sapphire. If only we had infinite dollars. Yeah. Someday, maybe. Someday. We'll work on that. So, yeah. I've got the Bambino here, which I'm so pleased with. Super nice. So pleased with. And that's a probably a pretty good segue into our into our main topic for the day. We're talking today about Orient watches. Yeah. We're talking about Orient watches, the brand, the watches. Um, you, you know, it, it's when we first when we first talked about this subject, we... Um, we thought about you know picking just a couple of of watches and and talking about the just a, a few specific select watches. But as I really started to look around for Orient watches, it became clear to me that Orient just doesn't make all that many watches. You know the Orient USA website and um, the the selections that are widely available from Orient's catalog 
aren't numerous the way that watches are for Seiko or Casio. No, it's a pretty a pretty small portfolio of just good looking watches. The more I the more I looked into this as we were deciding to talk about the Orient Watch Company, the more I looked at it and was like, this is the pinnacle of affordable, good looking watches. And yeah. and I think that's I mean that hits right on where we're trying to aim at the at the people we're trying to reach who are talking about affordable watches. Like Orient is just I can't think of right off the top of my head another $135 automatic in-house watch you can buy. I just, I can't think of any right off the top of my head. And that that's their whole line. Is they're all really affordable? I don't know right off the top of my head what their most expensive watch is. Well, you can get into the Orient Stars, which run, you know, anywhere from 300 to over a thousand or the, their saturation divers, which can be really quite expensive. But I think they're, more expensive mainline watches are down in that you know 300 250 300 range msrp yeah i mean the i think i yeah i paid 135 right on the nose with amazon for the bambino and that's besides the snk the least expensive watch i have that's the is that the gen 2 v1 is that right yeah the gen 2 v1 and it's just it's gorgeous if, if you're in the market for a dress watch or f- frankly if you're if you're somebody who doesn't do a lot of a lot of watch wearing in an environment where it might get banged up where you want to wear a little bit dressier watch this is such a good option it's it's affordable it's attractive and it can go from rolled up sleeves to a suit with without skipping a beat well, and you know the size of of that watch. It's it's not small by any means. It's a 40, 41, 41, yeah. 41. So it's not small. Um, it manages to be it manages to be really svelte. It's got a very thin case. The crystal makes the case. The crystal is you know maybe a quarter of the overall height dimension. Oh, easy. Um, so the actual metal component of the case is so thin. It makes for a really thin wearable dress watch even with that 41 millimeter dimension and the thing i love about the the bambinos is there is a watch that is styled for just about any uh any person you know do you want a a gilt watch with a you know gold tone case do you want a very simple bauhaus style dial do you want roman numerals uh, they've they've got an option for you Arabic numerals. Um, it's just the variety on this watch is so incredible that that for someone who is not really sure what they want um, knows they want a, a wearable everyday watch and, and wants to have some variety you know scrolling through the Orient website these are all MSRP prices so you might pay a little bit more but still, the options you can come here figure out what you want you know small second hands big second hands color combinations you know the um second gen version threes have this one really beautiful blue dial um the version four has this gorgeous sunburst green and sunburst blue i guess you'd call that a sunburst it's sort of a i think so i think that's an appropriate ombre for it ombre (laughs) Um, you know, they've got open heart versions, which I, I don't think that's for me, but I think a lot of people 
I think people like it. It adds just a little bit of just a touch of of uniqueness to their watch. I mean, this this watch has just become my absolute go to. And people, when when people I know say, "Oh, hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting a watch," usually my go to is because I'm talking to people who are thinking about getting a first watch or thinking about upgrading from like a fashion watch. My go to has been the SNK, and I've just added the Bambino to the list. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the price for, you know, you can, for about 130 to 150, you can get just about any of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's available, you can get it in that price. And um, that's not too much for just about anybody who's looking to watch this. Some people, some people are going to want to be under 100 or, you know, maybe tighter budgets. But I, I feel like it wouldn't shock most people who were planning to go to Macy's to buy a watch No, to say, oh, there's a sweet watch from this cool company orient and they're about 140 bucks that's not shocking the way the way no. you know and, and you and their their movements are made in-house <clears throat> that's one of the coolest things about the like how affordable these watches are is it's all in-house their their technology their production it's it's theirs yeah well and and you know i think we're going to talk about some of their movements they they do really interesting things with movements I, the bambinos are pretty straightforward three-hander but but within that they have this open heart version um they've got the small seconds just that little bit of variety is really incredible for a watch at this price Mm -hmm. i think that's one of the things orient does better than a lot of these other sort of lower price brands is watches with genuinely unique or or at least novel movements at that price range you know under 200 bucks to you know some of these things with with cool day complication day subdials on the dial you know mm-hmm. you don't you don't find that in seiko you don't even find that with uh you know these these middle tier brands because most of them are using seiko or miyota movements you mm-hmm. know citizen i i'm sure does some of this stuff but they're not doing it automatic they're not doing it in a way that's really obvious to me at least um not that i've seen yeah yet. but yeah. maybe they are but i i haven't seen it well so uh Talked a little bit about the Bambino. I think the other one that we'd be uh, hard pressed to pass by when talking about Orion is the Mako Ray. Right. Yeah, the Mako Two is what I've got sitting right here, and it's just another, another really good looking, really thoughtful, really clean watch. And it, we've talked about it, it's a little bit on the smaller side for a diver, but frankly, well, you know, it's not small. Me. It's not. It's not even all that small in terms of width. It just wears really small it doesn't wear small it just wears really right compact it wears i'm not sure right. yeah just wear it, it, it's not obtrusive <laughs> in the way even in the way the s the skx is you know we were this is not the first time on the show we've compared these two watches and and i don't think it'll be the last time um but it just hugs the wrist nicely it's you know i know i've, I've seen it described as a, a as a dress diver and i don't know that i totally agree with that but it it has a lot of the features that I might be looking for if I was looking for a dress drive diver. It's compact. It doesn't it doesn't punch up high. You had mentioned I think yeah it's got w- last the, week it's got that tapered bezel so it's not grabbing things because that that's one thing that that the SKX just doesn't doesn't quite do it for me. That really square bezel just it. It's not that I don't like it, but when side by side with the Mako, it is it's an easy decision for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I can totally see that. It's a it's a beautiful watch. 
and, and you know, for me, I think or- Orient does the the same thing with the Mako, and I'm using that term loosely, but the same thing with that Mako line that they do with the Bambino in a way, which is they they give you some variety. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you don't love the if you don't love the um, the dial set on, or the handset or the dial on the Mako, you can check out the Ray, which I guess probably wears a little bit dressier. I don't have a, a Orient Ray pulled up here. We'll pull it real quick. I think too worth mentioning is as I was looking about this, it it doesn't have the same following that a lot of these other brands have. And I the only place I could find that was a, a dedicated to Orient uh, forum or or discussion board was a was a a blogspot blog called Orient Place. And his thing, I, I saw him post on Watch You Seek, basically, like, I see all these following, all these people talking about their Seikos or their Citizens, or he named a couple other brands, but I don't see people talking about Orient. So I've got this blog over here where this is what I talk about. And he's got this blog dedicated to Orient watches. And I read a couple of his articles, and I appreciated it because it's a brand that is really really growing on me is is he maintaining the blog is it is uh, it current i don't recall his last post um but it's a, it's got a, a handful of articles on i don't know probably a dozen at the time i looked at it this week uh reviews on orient watches and it's um, if it's blogspot it'll be there forever whether he yeah. maintains it or exactly not. so i mean if you if you're looking into orient watches and you want to hear somebody's opinion other than ours or mine uh, sitting in front of two or Everett's who we've got um, this guy's got a blog for handful of Orient watch reviews did you write down the the name of the blog it's orientplace.blogspot.com yeah is it a dot com yeah I, I think so I don't know probably I forget I, I wrote down Orient Place blogspot and sort of expected you to do the googling to add it to the show notes <laughs> okay <laughs> got it um, you, you know looking at this right now up on screen it's got you know, I don't know if you'd call this a maxi dial. Uh, that's what I think of, and I'm not sure the nomenclature is right there. But it's got more of that traditional dot trapezoid mm-hmm. um, dial, a little bit different handset, um, different font on the bezel, more of a, you know, I don't know if that's a Planet Ocean font or or whatever. But different bracelet. It's got a a, a stylized five link oyster bracelet. You know, with the polished edges on that middle link it's just enough different Mm -hmm. that if there's things about the mako you don't like you go with the ray Mm -hmm. and and have the opportunity to um just style style your watch wear a a little bit differently uh you know you you've just got you've got options You, you know they've got all sorts of opinions about what makes a good dive watch and them offering that separate that separate style same watch same dimensions same beautiful case finishing but with just a little different uh a little different dial a little different bezel they're just reaching more people yep just a little bit little little character differences between them and i think that's that's what makes a lot of the orient watches so appealing is that they're there there really is one for everyone well and the and then the the mako usa has more of that ray dial or ray bezel but a completely different dial and a totally different handset too Mm -hmm. and and i think it comes with sapphire crystal um probably better loom i know it has solid end links uh it's 
a, a, a bit of an upgrade, which I think is what a lot of folks would love with the SKX. I don't think people complain about the SKX loom, but can I please have a better brace, an upgraded bracelet? And can I please have, mm-hmm. you know, applied indices is one of the things people want. I don't care about that uh, so much, but can I please have Sapphire? Can I please, for the love of God, get a hacking and hand-winding <laughs> movement? Um, and Seiko is is not doing it. They're not going to do it because it, do, it doesn't make any economic sense. It's nice that Orient, uh, a, sister co- a sister company of a Seiko. Yeah, and I don't know if, you know, I think that they're sort of separate. I think they're a standalone subsidiary. The way the way that they have them structured. I mean, the way that you see. I mean, Orient's still doing their in-house. I think they were just acquired and said, "Hey, we own you now, but keep doing your business." Right. And I think they're in. Forgive me because I don't know this for sure, but I think Seiko is in the Seiko arm, and uh, Orient is in the Epson arm. Am I? Is it Epson? I, as I was looking at it, I'd have to look at it again. But they are in different arms of the conglomerate of. Seiko, whatever. Seiko, whatever. And, and it and, se- it seems like if they were if they were two companies operating under you know the same place, they'd be sharing movements or mm-hmm. um you, you know communicating more on design cues. And I don't I don't see that there's any of that. Not to not to the layman. I don't yeah. think there might be some behind the scenes that we obviously will never be privy to. But it it seems to me that they are a standalone subsidiary. Yeah, and, and I would get agree to, with you there. Get to keep running their business and making somebody else money i don't think we need to dwell on these two watches because these are two watches that everybody knows and loves but the mako mako ray bambino we we have to talk about them in this episode because they're so freaking cool and because you have one of each yeah we have them in front of us how do we not talk about two watches that that you really should consider purchasing if you're if you're in the watch market and you're looking for an affordable these these two are terrific options. Um, and before we get a whole lot further, I think I just want to talk about the the history, just the quick timeline of Orient. Give it to um, me. So in nineteen oh one, they started in Japan as a as a watch wholesale shop, and then in nineteen twelve, uh, the founder started producing uh, watch cases. Then in nineteen twenty, he established Toyo Tokei. I don't know if that's how you say it. Sounds right to me. Sounds. Close enough. I apologize for butchering it for sure. Uh, Toyo Toke uh, Manufacturing, uh, doing table clocks. And then um, 1934, began producing wristwatches. In 1949, following World War II, there was an economic downturn in Japan. Go go figure. Go figure. Uh, (laughs) And they had to shut down until 1951 when they were reopened. Or 1950 when they were reopened. 1951, renamed Orient Watch Company. And in 2001... Seiko started their acquisition, which I think was finalized in about 2009. So I don't know if Seiko came in and bought part of it and then had an option to buy entirely. But in 2001 is when they started their transition to the Seiko company. So just a quick run through of their timeline going all the way, all the way back to 1901 in the watch industry. Uh, and I think that's worthwhile for knowing about. Um, I mean, this is a an old watch company with a lot of heritage behind it and a lot of transition and some some reinventing of itself and some changes and some growth and yet still they're producing these really great really quality affordable watches so next watch we um next watch that we as a watch we've talked about before on the podcast that that we 
want to discuss today, but it's the Orient Neo 70s Panda. Um, in, in looking at watches before we started today, I think we realized there's a lot more variety in this watch than either one of us Yeah. No. Under the name, not even under the watch, under the name Neo 70s, because you got a couple pandas, and then you've got a couple that have a different case yeah. that are still advertised as the Neo 70s, like an entirely different case, a whole different movement, a, a watch that is, I mean, about as different as you could be under the same name. This is a, uh, the reference is WV0011TY. This is the Orient Watch Neo 70s horizon uh solar chronograph and it it does a lot of the same things as the the neo 70s that i know um but the case is different the markers are different this has sort of those i don't know 60s you know i think of them as bulova style uh markers i don't know if that's if that's an accurate representation but they're like beveled chamfered I don't know. I don't know what those markers are. What do you call those? There's got to be a name for them. But different. Yeah, it's it's very different. Um, maybe a little bit of a busier. Very busy dial. There's a lot happening on that dial. It's got a tachometer ring on the outside. It's just a much different watch. Also, really short hands. Sure. <laughs> that's that. I think that's a staple. Of that the... could that as as I know, I'm looking at more and more orients, but the Mako's got appropriately length hands yeah, all the way out to the end yeah orient star classic just another really beautiful watch and i think they do a really good job capturing that throwback retro like 60s 70s <clears throat> feel but bringing that splash of modern modern taste to it like no one's gonna look at these watches and be and and be confused thinking they're a vintage watch Mm -mm. um but they have that feel that aesthetic to them that that makes them a really classic really timeless look and those those blue hands on that is just mm. Mm. or orient star is uh orient's i guess higher in line lexus to toyota i guess i think so yeah it's their it's it's their step above their kind of entry level i we i think we can call it like their their mid-range because they've got that step above it in the orient star line but it's their yeah toyota lexus i think the the orient star solves probably the biggest complaint i see online about orient which is the logo i, I personally don't mind the orient logo i love the orient logo yeah i think it's beautiful uh I, I love the way that they do it in uh some characters some features some some texture uh, and color, just a splash of color. I mean, the the Bambino that I have is just white with chrome and just that splash of red in their, in their logo. Super subtle. I, I think people think that it's, I, I don't know, kind of ugly. I think some people think it's kind of ugly. I, I don't see that at all. Um, but the, the Orient Star, bless its heart, to the rescue with a fairly modern, uh, fairly simple, stylized S-O-S. I, I actually don't think it's got anywhere near as much character as the as the Orient logo. But if you're anti-Lion logo, this probably solves that problem. I think so. It's a it's a really subtle logo right there in the dial. I mean, if if you didn't if you weren't looking for a logo, you might think it was the water resistance 
uh, marker there on the dial. I mean, it's just it's it's certainly not the focus of the dial. Yeah, unobtrusive, unobtrusive. So the or- Orient Star has um, se- several watches that I think are fairly popular. This is the one I see talked about most often. We've pulled up a uh, a metal bracelet version with blued hands. Reference is. Go go reference. I think it's just classic. Wow, I, I think, think it that's just right. has the name Orient Star Classic. I don't see a... there's no other indicators anywhere else on this <laughs> webpage. Want want. Uh, yeah, so the Orient Star Classic. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see a reference in any event. This thing, the the reason I pulled up this version in particular is because you had mentioned the Bambino sort of competing for that same. Uh, place that the Sarb oh yeah I, takes I I think this could absolutely fill if you're looking for an affordable piece in that Sarb line that Sarb feel I think I think the Bambino's it and I think the classic is for a little bit bigger budget I think the the classic absolutely fills that need too one if the if the Bambino competes with you know maybe the cocktail time or the presage. Mm-hmm. cocktail time versions i don't know that those are are technically sarbs anymore um then this competes very directly with the sarb 033035s it's got a a really sporty metal bracelet uh it's got a a, a dressy dial that's also that's also sporty um and and, and has a little bit of uh, i i don't know toughness to it um mm-hmm. It's a more elegant watch, I think, than the than the Sarb, and, and I don't mean elegant in, in terms of beauty. The Sarb has that that great finishing on it, and, and the hands on the Sarb. Yeah, mm. I I think what this does though is it dresses up the sport watch just a touch more than the Sarb does, and a really subtle but really really viewable and really readable uh, reserve indicator on there. Yeah, I don't know that I love reserve indicators, but this one is is really well executed. It, it doesn't stand out. It doesn't blow up. It doesn't scream at you. It's just a, a really subtle uh, blue hand, and I mean it. It's not even. It's the size of one of the hour markers on there, um, but it doesn't. It's not the first thing you see, and you have to look for it. But if you know it's there, it's a it's a really quick reference, and man, that's just a. That's just a really pretty watch. It it is beautiful, and I I haven't I haven't seen one. I, I don't know if you have, but I my understanding is that the finishing on these is is a step above the finishing you'd find on a on a Bambino or a, a regular Line Orient, which is very good. Yeah, which means it's gonna be great. The Bambino just just to go back for a second, looking at that thing today, I was really impressed by the finishing by the brushing on the side of that case. Mm-hmm. Um. It's nothing fancy. It's just a brushed case yeah. side, but it's it's executed so well. So I, I suspect these Orient Stars are are, are probably pretty special. Um, we'll have to get one of these in, whether it's a, a loner or something. We'll find a way to get one of these in. Yeah. Super cool watch. Yeah, I would I would be very pleased to have that. Ooh, next in line, the Defender, oh, Orient Defender. You, you know. Yeah. Uh, Orient does, Orient does a, a little bit bigger watches than I think. It, it, we, we didn't talk about the the size on the star. The star is thirty eight and a half 
38 and a half millimeters, which is very conservative. But I think most of the other watches we've picked up today, um, they're, they're non-diver watch. They're non-diver watches tend to be a little bit bigger. This is a 41 and a half millimeter, 42 millimeter field watch, which it's a little bit big for a field watch. A little bit, but the way that all the Orients that I've had my hands on and the two that I own, the way that they wear, they can get away with those extra couple millimeters. They wear so tight to your wrist and so against you. They don't they don't feel like a 42 or a four or 41 and a half. They they and I, I mean it's a millimeter and a half, so I mean let's be serious, it's a, almost a forgettable difference, but they don't feel big. When they do that without making a, a oddly compact lug to lug, you know the lugs on the Bambino are, are fairly short and and they curve down at a at a decent mm-hmm. angle. But it's not. I, I don't know what the lug to lug on the Bambino is. Do you know off the top of your head? Not right off the top of my head. It, it, it's not uh, noticeably short when, when you no. look at it. So, but it's short enough that it makes just that bit of difference um, where it's not hanging over the edge of your wrist. Um, and, and is really, I guess, a little bit compensating for the, the overall width. I, I think the Defender does a really similar thing. This is a, a field watch. You'd call it a field watch, although it's not a traditional Mm-mm. It's not a traditional field watch by any means. It doesn't have the inner 24-hour ring that's, that's really well known in field watches. It doesn't have... Um, you know those classic field watch markers instead they've they've gone their own direction with it bead blasted case for for anti-glare so it's actually doing that exactly the same but looking at this dial uh gosh it's pretty it's it's different i i, I like it i'm not sure i'm not sure it's beautiful it's not elegant um it's functional super functional and it, it looks like a field watch it looks like a tool like a, a tool watch so it's got that uh the two sub dials on the defender field watch dial it's got one of them i could do without which one the the ampm yeah so the it's got two sub dials one of them's a day of the week sub dial and the other one is instead of having a 24 hour ring around the middle where where you can use it if you know it's afternoon you know you can refer to that 24 hour dial to to do to read military time and or just regular 24 hour time like most of the world well you know we're not most of the world here we are we're we we do 12 hour time exactly america bruschetta bruschetta (laughs) (laughs) um yeah this uh this is different. You, you know, Andrew and I both have the opportunity to need 24-hour time on a fairly regular basis. Um, <laughs> it, it still blows my mind. You know, I, I work in a, in a regular civilian environment most of the time, but uh, every once in a while, once a month, I am thrown into uh, an environment where 24-hour time is, is prevalent. And I am not good at making the conversion. It is very simple math. It's super simple math. It's arithmetic. And, and I don't do it on principle. No, I don't do it either. I, it's, I'm going to go home at 5 o'clock. Oh, oh you, you mean 1700? No. no, I mean 5 o'clock, Listen, asshole. I'm going home at 5. <laughs> really, I say 4 o'clock. That's my threshold. Yeah, I'm going home at 3.30. Yeah. Uh, y- y'all can say as late as you want. So, uh, y- you know, but 
within that, it is actually extremely useful. And I found if I'm wearing a watch that does have a 24-hour indicator on it, uh, that I use it. Uh, you, you know, my uh, Bertucci field watch mm-hmm. gives me that 24-hour time. And I'm always really pleasantly surprised when I'm when I'm working and need that to have it. I thought, oh, yeah, it's it's 1700. Oh, it's 1335. <laughs> not necessarily to say it out loud, <laughs> but to know what someone else is talking about when they, you know, I can do the math, but it, it's it's pleasant to have that. So I get that in, in terms of a field watch. I actually could do without this, this day subdial, but I kind of like the day subdial. I like it too. It's unique. I don't have any watches with a day subdial. I have the, I have watches with the day complication, a window, but not with the subdial. I think that's kind of a cool little. I don't know. I'd like to have one that has it. It's cool. It's neat. Yeah. Um. You, you know, I was actually hoping this twenty four hour, this twenty four hour dial. I was hoping that it was a GMT dial, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's synced to the hour hand, so it it really is just that'd be a cool complication on there. It would be cool. Uh, I think uh, a GMT complication really adds to the cost of a movement. Orient's got an affordable GMT movement that they're very tight-fisted with. You know, I know I've heard micro-brand owners lamenting that fact, both in podcasts and and online, that, that Orient's got this cool automatic GMT movement that they're not sharing with the world. You know, Chris Vale of NTH Watches has talked about that. A number of times in his online conversations i think he's he's tried to get a hold of it and the answer has been no pass yeah (laughs) (laughs) i and i'm not sure i understand the i'm not sure i understand the the marketing there you know i think that the the big japanese brands are very difficult to get into period you know i don't think you can get a hold of people at seiko at all and when they release watches oftentimes they don't you know release them to the world by way of press release they just show up we should try we should try to get a hold of somebody in their r&d and try to pull something out of them i mean we could <laughs> i don't know that might be a phone call i make this week all right yeah see if you can get a uh, hundred orient automatic gmt movements chris vale will fund you okay he might <laughs> um <laughs> hey, i, hey, I chris, think I, I have my hands on a hundred <laughs> Orient GMT movements. Uh. <laughs> and, and I'm going to lose my house. Would you please buy this yeah. from me? <laughs> um, it, yeah, no, th- I think that would that would take this watch from being very cool to, holy shit, this is awesome. Oh, it would be. And I and I, I can't imagine it still being at that $150 price point. That's the other part about it. No, no. That's no, the no. really impressive part about all the Orients we've looked at today. Say like barring the the classic, they're under three hundred dollar watches. Well, but you know that that's uh, that's true. You can get the the classic though for three hundred three three forty ish, which is a lot of money. It's cheaper than the Sarb now. Yeah. Um, you, you know, but but yeah. Other than that, even even the Bambinos, a lot of the Bambinos are are two hundred plus online. You can find them all for one hundred and fifty or less. I paid one hundred thirty five for mine. Yeah. yeah. The, I and, might and, I might have even paid less because I bought a twelve dollar strap. Same with this Defender. This 150 here, 130 on Joma Shop or whatever. So, and that's on a bracelet. I I don't suspect it's it's a impressive bracelet, but it's going to fit right. It's going to be pull my arm hair, pull Andrew's arm hair. Yeah. Well, okay. So, um, I found though that though I don't have a lot of arm hair, it's suspiciously long. 
<laughs> we talk about your arm hair so much on this show. I mean, it's pertinent. I guess. Yeah, no, it is. It's definitely pertinent. It's I mean, it's where the watch goes. I don't. I don't have. I'm not like a pocket watch guy. Although that'd be cool. I kind of would go. I kind of could could go for vests and pocket watches. One of my coworkers is into pocket watches. He's looking for like a high end, um, late nineteenth century pocket watch right now. I imagine those are pretty hard to come by. They're not. They're not. There's a ton of them out there, actually. They, Late nineteenth century pocket watches. It, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, and they're they're not terribly expensive. Uh, you can get really nice ones for, you know, five hundred to a thousand dollars, in in operational condition, and they've got huge movements in them. So that I I suspect they're probably fairly easy to work on, and yeah, they're out there. I'm intrigued. We might <laughs> oh, have to commit boy. an episode to pocket watch research. Please tell. Please say no. I mean, who's Batman? <laughs> so, oh man, here we go. Uh oh, <laughs> the, the rabbit hole has found a gopher tunnel. So, uh, pocket watches. I think the cool thing about pocket watches is you can find these cool brands. Oh man, have you read it all about this Vortic watch controversy? No. I won't even get into it here. Vortic Watches is a is a brand that makes these watch cases wherein they house old pocket watch dials and movements, and they make. I think they three D print these cases. They're pretty cool. Um, turn them into wristwatches. Obviously, these things are monsters. Yeah, they're huge. Be- they got to be fifty millimeters. Huge. I don't know if they're that big, but they're maybe. Yeah, they're big. Um, they have been sued by swatch group i think for their use of vintage american dials and movements it's a it's like a, a trademark case even though all they're doing is creating housing for it y- yeah you know i think that the I, I you know feel free to go down the rabbit hole people have opinions uh uneducated people with opinions it, it's always interesting to see but um yeah there's a lawsuit there it's it's a fair use case and uh uh kind of interesting the case is kind of interesting uh i think a lot of people are you know micro brand or or affordable watch people are feeling really angry with swatch and i'm not sure that there's not good reason to to feel that way but I, well so my question is is what swatches like that what's their their foundation for an argument because they're i mean are they losing out is that a market that they previously had had their fingers in and creating you, housing for vintage watches. You know, I think it's a lot. I, I think it's probably the answer to your question is no, um, but it, it's more complicated than than I'm comfortable talking about. Uh, and that's as someone who's got um, at least a modest ability to talk about legal things. Uh, it, it's super complicated, you, you know, and, and it's not that. You wouldn't understand. It's that I wouldn't understand, right? It's, That's fair. Uh, I, and so I certainly wouldn't. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, it's it's a whole thing. It's funny to watch people online talking about this in these really impassioned ways. But anyway, moving on. That's an aside. Sorry about that. Where were we? I don't know. I think we should just go right to the sun and moon. Oh, yeah. So Orient's got a, a dress watch. I guess you'd call this a dress watch. I don't know what else you could call it. It's a sun and moon. Orient Sun and Moon, they've made several versions of this. We've pulled up the version 2 with their cream dial. This is actually a gold tone case, and I'm not sure that I would buy a gold tone case in this watch, but... I don't know that I would either. You know, this is 
almost the same watch as the Defender. So interesting that it's so similar to the Defender while being so different. Absolutely nothing and like the Defender. such a good strategy by Orient to offer, again, variety. There's an example of, I forget which two. Was it the version two and or was it the version four and the Defender that share a movement? So it's the one we have open right now. So this has got the... Um, Orient Caliber 46 B40. This is the Sun and Moon version 2 Orient Caliber 46 B40, which is the same yep. exact movement that's in the Defender. And if you look at the watches, they look nothing alike. Nothing alike. I mean, they're sure there's two subdials in the same places, but that's it. That's it. That's the similarity. And it's it's interesting. The uh, the subdials are are the same. They're the same subdials. So it's got a on the right side of the face sort of a bigger day ring and on the left upper left hand side of the dial, you know, at, at ten o'clock, we can talk in, in number yeah. in watch terms. How about that? Sorry guys. Uh, they've got instead of a twenty four hour hand, it's a sun and moon hand. With beautiful sun and moon sun and moon sun and moon representations well i think that's probably where the value comes from in this watch is these this gorgeous uh this gorgeous dial work that those sun and moon there's pictures of them here uh we're, we're just we're looking at all these watches you know we usually we oftentimes look at watches on joma shop or or where we want to tell you about the prices we're just looking at these on the orient website although i'll say orient website orient usa get your pictures together these pictures are not very good this uh they're not sharp. They don't show you what you want. Anyway, uh, they've got these pictures of the sun and moon. They're sort of gilt, yeah, stylized sun and moon pictures, and just really well done. And, and the dial on this uh, is that guilloche pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the intricacy of the dial is just is is really impressive for a sub $300 watch. When this says 250, I I found these things online for 130. I found these things online for the same price as the as the Orient Defender. Um yeah, that's automatic. It, you know, there's nothing particularly complicated about these complications, I, I don't think. Uh not being a watchmaker, but they're different. They're different in a way that nobody else is making different things. Uh and at this price, you can't go wrong yeah you just you can't and it's just it's a beautiful watch it's and i don't think it's for everybody uh, i'm not even it's, sure it's for me it's not i i wouldn't i probably wouldn't buy one yeah i don't think so but i would wear it yeah if, if it was in your drawer yeah if yeah. if my dad was like hey i've got this this old weird orient uh i think it's the sun and moon my dad doesn't talk like that. I don't know if my dad's going to listen, but <laughs> I feel bad doing a weird impersonation of who knows who that is. For the record, Andrew's dad, just a normal person. Yeah, just a really normal guy. Doesn't talk like that. <laughs> um, but if he he was like, hey, I have this this old Orient watch. You want it? Hell yeah, I want it. And I'd wear the hell out of it. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'd buy it, though. No, it's big. It's big. 42 and a half, mm-hmm. 42 and a half millimeters. That's big. I mean, for a watch that's essentially a dress watch, this is way too fucking big. Uh, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, maybe this is another one we need to get in and just poke around on. Listen, if you're listening, you have an Orient Sun and Moon. I'll pay for shipping. Let me check it out. 
Yeah. Is, is that going to work? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would trust us enough to send us their watch. I wouldn't, I wouldn't send me a watch. Uh, yeah. No. Super cool. Uh, figured we'd talk about it. We're, we're I think we're, we're through the watches that we had pulled up. There's, Did we? Yeah. 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 So these are the, this was kind of our quick rundown of Orient watches and a, a company that really, I think, specializes in catering to folks who are looking for affordable, quality, beautiful watches. I and mean, I we have two sitting in front of us and, and or in front of me. They're not in front of you, but they're just beautiful, just beautiful, affordable watches that I think if you're if you're listening to our podcast, it's likely you're interested in the affordable watch category and these absolutely need to be on your take a look at list yeah you could stop and start at at, at orient if you're looking at the watches yeah i i mean if if you're look if you're somebody who's looking to looking to have a watch collection for under under 400 dollars for two watches that you can wear every day in any environment make own bambino you're done and then you can you can spice it up with some bracelets some straps some variety there and and you've got two everyday, any environment, good looking watches. So last week we didn't get to other things we like, and that made me really sad. Because other things we like is I don't know. It's other things we like. It's Kim's favorite part of the show. She's told she told me I, I didn't like the first fifty five minutes, but I liked the last. So bit. she hated episode three. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, babe. We didn't get to the other things. My wife hated the first seven minutes of episode three because she I came home and she's like, "So I'm somebody you make a sales pitch to." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's gonna make it this deep into this podcast, so I can say that. But she didn't listen to the Blueberry, did she? No, she still hasn't caught Blueberry. Somebody on Watch You Seat caught Blueberry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not our safe word. It's not even my wife's safe word. It's just it's for some reason the first word that came to my mind of something that would be obscure. <laughs> and she hasn't said Blueberry, but she did mention that my sales pitches are about to get ten times harder. Oh, <laughs> That's okay. I'll keep playing VP. Just keep hitting the button. Max bet. Well, so I know you got some other things you like. I do. First and foremost, have you seen Basketball? Yes. Recently. Uh, it's been a couple years. It just hit Netflix. I don't know. It was on their, their recent or uh, trending now, maybe. One of the categories of like, hey, you should watch these. And I haven't seen Basketball in probably 10 years. And it holds up. It is, it in my mind, it, it comes, it, it's watchability and it's it holding up is on par with like dumb and dumber and i can't figure out why i don't own this movie first of all and why i haven't watched it a hundred times in the last 10 years it is hilarious i mean it's got cameo it's got cameos from al michaels bob costas and dan patrick as as sports announcers and it's hysterical i love that movie and i watched it the other night and i could I laughed alone, and that's that's the sign of a good of a good movie <laughs> yeah. when you're laughing out loud by yourself, sitting on the couch in a quiet front room. Yeah, laughing. Yeah, laughing, and it <clears throat> it holds up. It is hysterical. For those of you who haven't watched it, it's a David Zucker director. He he wrote it with a with a handful of other guys. David Zucker did Airplane, a couple of the naked Naked Guns, a couple of scary movies, like just a and just a guy who's had his fingers in a lot of big projects. It's it stars Trey Parker and Matt Stone of South Park, and it's it's hysterical. I'm watching it tonight. I 
I might again. <laughs> you can you can hang out. We can yeah, watch it together. We might, we might hang out, crack a couple more beers, and watch <laughs> basketball. Um, but that being said, that's just a movie that I wanted to bring back into at least 10 people's consciousness. Because, damn. All 10 of our listeners. It is including so you, Mom. It is so funny. And number two, Binging with Babish. Are you familiar? Familiar. Love it. It is terrific. So for those of you who aren't familiar, it's a YouTube channel called Binging with Babish. And it's this guy who does cooking instructional videos. And they're short, like five to seven minutes, really quick. And he got his start by doing... um, foods or a a dish from popular media movies from movies or tv one of the ones that really stands out in my memory is a disgusting sandwich that homer simpson made on like a george foreman on the dashboard of his car with like reese's pieces and chips or not reese's pieces but reese's cups and chips i think and and you see him in his car with a with a portable grill on the dashboard and it just looked horrendous but he did it and he ate a couple bites of it um most notably though the one that and, and i've only ever tried one thing from his uh from his channel although i've watched most of them i tried the uh lemon pepper wet that he saw in atlanta and the whole uh, um the technique that he uses is air drying in your fridge chicken wings after you've tossed them in uh, a half teaspoon of baking powder and a half teaspoon of salt per pound of chicken wings. So I made a pound and a half of chicken wings. So I came up with a almost a full teaspoon of each, or maybe it was a teaspoon and a half. I don't remember exactly the ratio because I'd watched this video a couple times. So you toss it in the baking soda, and the baking soda, I don't know, it's some kind of chemistry reaction that lowers the melting temperature of some stuff, which helps it get crispier. But the most important thing is that you air dry these wings overnight in your fridge with a salt and baking soda no baking powder don't use baking soda use baking powder (laughs) baking powder baking powder baking powder powder. this baking powder and salt mix and it air dries and then you bake them and they were i texted everett after like as i as i was consuming these wings i texted him two things number one i'm never going to deliberately go out for just wings again because i'm gonna make it my house and number two is that i regretted making wings and sharing some with my kid because i wanted the wings that i gave to him then i tossed in ketchup and he loved them it was amazing but i wanted more for me they were crispy they were moist juicy delicious wings and i just i cannot speak highly enough of that wing cooking technique if does you the, like chicken does wings, the process emulate the the drying out process does something to emulate frying I don't know. So he, in his video, he does, uh, he, he does the same process. He overnight dries, uh, two racks of wings, one, he deep fries, one, he bakes. And the ones that, the ones that he baked were just, they were so crispy. He drops them into the bowl and it sounds like he's dropping little stones into the metal bowl. They were just so crispy, so delicious. I tossed them in some Frank's Red Hot and mm. I wish I had a better wing sauce in my house because it's not—it's not to speak poorly of Frank's Red Hot, but I wanted something with a little more. You didn't have any <laughs> any of that Yellow Bird habanero? Uh, no. So I've I've never I've made a couple wing sauces like with a Frank with a Frank's foundation and some sriracha, but I didn't have enough Yellow Bird to be willing to sacrifice it all to tossing and wings. I need to go buy some more Yellow Bird 
uh, habanero hot sauce. Is this the first time we talked about wings on the show? No, we talked about hot ones. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you might you might be uh, gleaning that Everett and I have a wing problem. And when Andrew says he's not going to ever go out deliberately for wings again, I'm a lying. He's not lying. He's shit. clearly lying because next week he's going to text message me that we need to go out for wings. But almost certainly, yeah. yeah. We should record an episode from a wing place. It might be a little loud. Hot Mamas or something, or Bones. Yeah, I like chicken bones. I might be a little loud, and also you're not going to hear a lot of talking. You're going to hear a lot of <laughs> slurping and. Mm. This is a terrible idea for an episode. We should do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't know why not. So binging with Babish, we'll drop it in the show notes. He's terrific. And and they're all entertaining. He's he's Is that a first we feast? I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll find out. You'll find out when you look it up. Yeah, he just does he does great stuff. And I I mean they're all entertaining. They're they're short. They're and the unfortunate part about a YouTube video being short is that you watch like fifty. Right. <laughs> it feels like you're not committing that much exactly. until you're four hours in exactly. and you're sweating. Like, well, well shit. Now I guess I've wasted today. But have I wasted today? It's not like when you watch a nine minute YouTube video, you're like, I'm done with YouTube. I saw the uh, the fail army compilation from the week and that's that's enough for the day no binging with Babish, you're like i need more i need more yeah 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 i like it i like it so the only thing uh i've been really paying attention to in my life is photography a- andrew and i are both amateur photographers we both have dslr setups in, in our in our arsenal we both have prime lenses um I- i've got you know some pretty cool some pretty cool lenses that I use sometimes that don't use otherwise. But uh, when we started this thing and, and we talked about this earlier, we we've been Instagramming. Both of us have been Instagramming and, and working on our skill set. Taking pictures of watches is so much different than, you, you know, I've got quite a bit of familiarity with portrait work and I've done, I, I've done a number of weddings at this point. Um, and, and the, the skill set for taking pictures of, people whether at it's pretty different it's totally different it's totally different uh i i just did not have the skills i needed to be able to um take these pictures in a way that that i found i found pleasing and, and i was looking at you know photos online there's a couple of instagram accounts and and i could talk about instagram accounts all day but you, you know brad watch spend all day watching them yes. just looking through them uh, Brad Holmes, watch you seek user Brad Holmes has a Instagram account. Brad watch. He takes phenomenal pictures. I mean, there's just so many of them with these people that are taking these really clear sh- tax sharp product images is, is really what they are. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think both of us in the last couple of weeks have sort of gone back and forth and worked on our skills and, and tried out some different techniques and gotten out tripods for the love of God. And, uh, and light boxes, <laughs> <laughs> homemade DIY. A- anyway, we are our skills are getting better, and I hope you guys notice that our Instagram pictures are getting better. And we're going to keep working on it. It's a lot of fun. We both obviously like it. We're not uh, doing this as a, as a commercial venture, but we're doing it because we like it. Yeah, and because um, we like texting each other piles of photos. Right. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Uh, but in in that process, I've decided that I need a new camera, which is a I think a pretty natural thing to decide. Uh, <laughs> Does Kim know? Uh, Kim 
does know she's in the next room she probably is hurt yeah we're in trouble um she's headphones in but i oh she does have for the record what is she using are you guys using roku it's Roku. The Roku remote has a headphone jack. I walked out jack. and I thought she was watching a movie on mute with subtitles on. I was like, oh, it's so sweet. And I realized that as I walked by, like there was no indicator that she like noticed my existence. And I was like, <laughs> so I looked a little closer and she's had headphones in. Yeah. And I, then I was amazed because I was completely unaware of that technology. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I plug my audio techniques into that thing every once in a while and the audio I, I don't know i think it's fine I, i've never noticed any problem with it uh, it's i hear so poorly that all of my shows have subtitles on and yep. and my wife will really like routinely say you know we can turn it up and i'll be like oh i just assumed that you could hear it because at the volume she can hear it clearly it is just at best white noise i don't hear sure anything so the subtitles are pretty essential for me so looking at a new camera i i wanted something really small the biggest the biggest limitation I've found in in my photography is I don't want to lug my Nikon around. Oof. I've got a Nikon, and even with even with the smallest lens I have, it's way too big to put in my briefcase. Um, it, it's just cumbersome. It's a it's a big it's a big camera. It's a DX, but it's a a big DX camera. Um, it's a D seventy one hundred, which is an old old technology at this point, but it just winds up being so big. Uh, I. I I was looking at Fuji cameras, and I found this cool, very old at this point, five-year-old camera, Fuji X20s, and you can pick them up for next to nothing on eBay. And I may have ordered a camera on eBay last night. Did you did you buy it now, or did you win the bidding? I Well, I bid on one and lost it, so I bought it now, last night. So I've nice. got a camera coming. So it'll be here tomorrow? I think maybe Friday. I think maybe Friday. It's not coming from that far away. It's it's coming from Seattle or something like that. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have it this week, I suspect. And I've been using the Canon Rebel, the T3i, I think. That sounds right. I don't know. I maybe should know better. It's not even my... Well, it's a camera in my house that I dusted off. No, you know... No, I'm definitely going to get in trouble. Yeah, you're, you're in trouble. Uh, <laughs> but that's fine. It's... I mean, the camera's getting used. It's getting exercised. Yeah. And, I mean, I've seen... I mean, really, I am the limiter. I'm not in a position with my abilities to need a new camera because the camera's not limited by my abilities. Nobody needs a new camera. No, no, no. no. Some people need new cameras. I have not... <laughs> I don't outperform my camera's capabilities. Yeah, no, no. And, and neither do I. And, and, you know, that Rebel T3i actually is... I really like it. You you brought it over the last week, and uh, it's an entry level. Uh, really, it's a bare bones entry level DSLR, but it focuses in a second. It it does everything you'd want. It, it, it's obviously a crop sensor. I, I'm not I'm not to the point where I feel like that's a huge limitation. And I, and I haven't I don't have a ton of experience using full frame sensors. You know the bigger the bigger sensors, and and I know that professionals want the extra dynamic range and depth of field that you get with that bigger 35 millimeter sensor uh not something that that i've ever felt the need for but when i started looking at these x20 they have even it's a two-thirds sensor so tiny Mm -hmm. teeny little sensor um and so there's probably going to be some some limitations in what i can do with this thing but it's so small it's a fixed lens. It's a single lens system. It's a zoom mm-hmm. lens. It looks like an old uh, viewfinder camera. So it's it's got some neat character. I got it for like 200 bucks. I'm excited. 
I'm excited. Yeah. And you can drop, I can drop it in my briefcase, my work briefcase. Oh, I thought you were going to say you can drop it on the ground. I was like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't drop it on the ground. You can't. But I fully plan on taking that thing, popping the lens cap on, and putting it in my work bag and not thinking about it. Because the amount of money I've spent on it, it's, it's going to get scratched up, I assume, and I'm cool with that. So I'm excited to have uh, something other than my phone to, to take pictures. I, I, I've not been happy taking pictures on my phone. And I, I know that the the cameras you get in an iPhone, and I've got a 7 Plus, which is not a new phone, but it's it's a fully featured phone with a great camera, great sensor, great dynamic range in those pictures, but not having a lens. It misses something. It you misses can, something, you can, yeah. You can pretty easily pick out a phone picture against a camera picture well and i tend to over edit my phone pictures and and then they just look like over edited phone pictures so i'm hoping you mean this... that's not like the look right <laughs> well it is the look i i mean i think to a certain degree the instagram and, and iphones have changed the way well certainly they've changed the way we take pictures but i think that they are are changing the qualities we look for in pictures in a way that's I wonder if a watch face would pick up any of the Snapchat filters. Like if we could put deer faces on photos. Ooh, this is now we're talking. Now we're into uncharted territory. Okay, we because should. Because who wouldn't like a cute little little Orient Mako with a deer face? We lips? should do a YouTube tuto- YouTube tutorial on picking up uh, watch face Instagram filters. Yeah, I think we should wrap up. You mean we shouldn't try to do a three hour episode? Well, I kind of want to, but I don't think anyone would listen. They might. We're just going to watch basketball. There's probably some licensing issues there, though. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. Tremolo by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.